You're probably going to hate us, but we're conservative Christian moms. We're here to empower other conservative Christian moms to speak up, say what's true, and defend their children's futures. Hey, I'm Amy, and I'm the often too serious mother of twins. I'm Candy Rose, and I'm the often too honest mother of three. And I'm Nikki, and I'm the often too emotional mother of two. Depression. So many of us struggle with different levels of depression. Silently, we walk around dealing with the shame, guilt, and isolation that comes with depression's stigma. Despite the fact that it affects millions of people, many of those within the Christian church, we act like there's a lack of faith or depth in someone's relationship with God if they struggle with the deep sadness that comes with this kind of condition. Is it a sin? Is it a lack of faith? What do we need to consider when approaching this topic and those that struggle with its effects? Pull up a chair and let's discuss. Ooh, this is a heavy topic, guys. <laughs> and we were talking about which topics we could discuss today. And we've been finding that it's just better to talk about what's kind of current and what we haven't caught up with. And I was just saying that this week's been a really hard mental health week for me. I've had a hard time getting out of bed. I've had a hard time doing my normal tasks. And I used to have clinical depression and some suicidal ideation that God healed me from, praise the Lord. I used to be on a pretty high dose of Zoloft, um, and I used to really, really struggle with this. And praise God, I don't anymore, but it's that season where the days are a little bit shorter. Finally, we're springing forward. We'll have some more light. You know, it's rained probably 80% of the last month, at least where we are. Uh, it's just the the political climate, the economic climate, all the things are leading to even normal people feeling a sense of hopelessness. So I was just telling the girls, I'm having a really hard time. And not everybody's so kind or understanding or loving. And so that brought us to this topic of, is depression a sin? And so I sure hope not. I appreciate you always being so transparent about it. I yeah, I find it kind of strange that there's a stigma. Yeah, but I don't know Same. why do you guys think there is one? I don't know. I I was as Nikki was talking, I was trying to think like why would anyone right? Why would there be a stigma? Why would people look down on it? And the only thing that comes to mind to me is Christians who are very judgmental, people who are always I don't know, judging. That's the only thing I can think of because I I can't imagine judging someone for that. I mean, Nikki knows I also struggle with depression from time to time too. I mean, and it's never the same, right? Like my husband, he sometimes struggles with depression and his and mine are completely different. Like it's not one size fit all. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the way me and Nikki struggle with it is completely the same either, but that doesn't matter. We all struggle with depression a little bit from time to time. I do think that our society is a little bit at least in America, we sort of like stuff. Like we're taught to stuff our feelings. And then sometimes there's an extra layer of that mm-hmm. within the church. You know, it's like put on a happy oh, face yeah. and like the joy of the Lord and like all the things. And so I could see some stigma coming from people that have learned to stuff or that feel like they have to stuff. Feeling like, why can't you? Like, I don't, I don't know. Or like, oh, yeah. like hearing I, your weakness mm-hmm. makes them think of the weakness within themselves. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe. It's like, no, we, we, no. You, you have to be strong in the Lord. You can't be weak. I don't know. I'm not explaining myself very well. Just trying to understand it. I think you are. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're speaking well. I, I wonder if 
people who would judge it or maybe people that have never experienced it because those of us who have experienced it, I love the Lord. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I try to spend time worshiping and playing the piano. And I'm not saying all this to like brag, but I'm saying it to be it, to prove a point that I, I'm I'm habitually seeking God. And I can honestly say it has nothing to do with how much I love God or how much I'm seeking him. When I have a down day, it's completely uncontrollable. It's not, it's, it's a mental health. I mean, there's a lot of science that goes behind it. And I know I don't have a lot of the scientific facts, but I'm sure there are people who wallow in depression. I'm sure. Even Don, my husband, he would definitely say when he is struggling with depression, there are some times where he's like wallowed in it, right? And then when he comes out of it, he feels really bad, like he's given into it. And then there are days when he is struggling, but he can talk about it and he still gets done the stuff he has to get done. So I think there's maybe better ways to handle it and less better ways to handle it. But you can't just magically make it disappear. It's not like we're choosing to be depressed. Yeah, I agree. I feel like when I was clinically depressed, that what you just said was hard because it didn't feel like an ability to pull out of even a wallowing. But now that I'm healed from it, I can see the difference between being clinically depressed and being able to like, okay, I have allowed myself to wallow, to mm -hmm. sit in it and get yeah. stuck in it. And I actually, this is like a caveat, but like I've put a rule on myself now because I feel like it can turn into that, that the old depression comes. And now I have this three-day rule for myself, not putting it yeah. on anyone who's struggling with clinical depression, but just as someone who struggles with depression and not wanting to, you know, I, my body knows what that feels like. So I think it's easy to maybe fall into that now, now that I've been healed. But the three-day rule for me says I am allowed to sit in that and be stuck for three days because Jesus stayed in the tomb for three days and then he got out. <laughs> so on the third day, if I'm still super stuck, I either have to get some help, like tell somebody contact a mental health care provider, do something. So I have a three-day rule, and that's been helping me. But a big thing I noticed, at least when I was really, really into serving at church, is that it's not convenient. It's it's not convenient for people. And like you're like, I could do all this work if I was healthy, but that is not a convenient thing. And churches are missing the five-fold way that Paul talks about how we should be. You know, you need teachers. You need mm -hmm. pastors, you need prophets, you need, I'm forgetting the last one, we got to look it up, guys. We need everybody. But I think the way churches are being set up right now is that we have pastors who aren't actually pastors, they're teachers. So there's not somebody who cares for the people. And it's not convenient to have people who are hurting, <laughs> actually hurting, <laughs> because we can't use them. They can't serve, they, they can't help, they can't add. But that's yeah. just my... That was just off the top of my head as you were saying. I was like, oh, it, it really it's really sucks to help somebody that is depressed. It Well, there's <laughs> just not a lot you can do, right? And all of us need different things. Like I feel when I am feeling depressed, what I really want and need is someone just to come alongside me and just be with me, kind of mm -hmm. empathize. Mm -hmm. It's totally different for Don. He, I feel like, wants to be left alone, which I don't know if that's healthy or not. But I... I just think we all want and need different things. And yeah, it's super hard. And I wonder if I'm sure there are people who've never struggled with depression. And gosh, what a blessing. That's Amen. a crazy blessing that I would say those people maybe don't even understand. 
So I wonder if they look at those of us who do struggle and go, yeah, just stop. Like, yeah, like it's just a decision. Here's the fivefold real quick, just because I forgot it. The, so uh-huh. there's apostles. So that doesn't necessarily mean like what it meant in the old days where people are, you know, it's more that somebody carries the vision of church. Yeah, like the cl- catalytic like, person. Hey, this, the catalytic yeah. person. Thank you. So apostles, prophets, someone who's just speaking the word of God, making sure we're sticking to the word of God, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So I'm I'm just learning about that because yeah. I've been stuck in depression this week. And I'm like, I can tell it's not convenient. Like people are like, okay, well, call us when you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And I, it, Nikki, I honestly, I respect you a lot for being so open and honest about it. When I am feeling really down and I don't want to be around people, I don't, I, I won't usually share that. I'll just be like, I'm not feeling good today because it is a symptom of not feeling good, right? It is a physical way of not feeling good. It's just a mentally physical way. I, does that make sense? Absolutely. I was sharing with my pastor about it. And I was like, I am dying. Like, I cannot. I, 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 it was day three and I was like, I'm not okay. And she was really great. She was saying that David, so you were talking about joy, Amy, but like joy is separate. So we could be depressed, but still be joyful. Totally. And mm-hmm. that reminder really helped me because she pointed me to Psalms and then I was reading in Psalms and Oh my gosh, David was probably the most depressed person oh, on yeah. earth and very bipolar. Like one day, like, I am a worm. Nobody loves me, you know. And then the next thing, God is amazing. So well, isn't just, that how depression is? It's like, I know no one can see this, but I'm putting my hand up and down. <laughs> like, like a, a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it's like a roller coaster. You're really down and then you're not. And then you're really down. And sometimes there are external factors and sometimes there's not. It's just you. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was in that kind of like, so like what you're describing too can be from like a, from psychology perspective could be a little bit more like bipolar, you know, like Mm -hmm. when you're up and you're down. But Mm -hmm. like when I'm experiencing like real depression, like I, when I'm out, I'm pretending I'm smiling, laughing, Mm -hmm. but on the inside, I'm like, is this over yet? I'm miserable. I go get back in bed. (laughs) Yep. Um, Have you feel that? I feel that I I was just going to say, Nikki, when I say hills up and down, um, when I went to a therapist, this was years ago, and I found out that that depression is something I uh, struggle with. I won't go into all that. She was saying when you struggle with depression, it's up and down. You're going to also struggle probably with anxiety. Like you're going to go one way, struggle with depression, and then days, weeks later, you're going to have anxiety. Like those two things usually go hand in hand. Yep. And I, it's, I, that's I, all I was identify say. with that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Uh, like, I don't know, a year ago, it was this revelation to me that I struggle with anxiety because I am, I'm very controlling or I like, I really need order. And I just like, I have all these things and I realized, oh, those are symptoms of anxiety. The reason I am that way about all those things is because I'm anxious and it's how I control my anxiety. It was like a revelation to me. Yeah. I think we all have these. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what? This is crazy. But, um, In Ginny and Georgia, which is the Netflix show that Nikki had me watch, which at first I was like, this is too, no. But I tried it again and I ended up actually, I ended up actually, it's really good. But there is a scene, there's like a whole episode where one of the characters at the time, it's her boyfriend, is struggling with depression and they show what that's like. Candace, I I should, I'll try and remember to share this with you because I think you'll really appreciate kind of like the way that they used the the media to show what it would feel like to be in depression. And then the next episode, they show 
her the same day, but just her. And she's seeing him depressed, but she doesn't know he's depressed. So it's like you see both sides right. of what it's like. And it yeah. was very eye-opening to me. I was like, oh, I had no idea. That's why I loved it so much. I was like, this. Yeah, yeah it was totally eye-opening to me. And I think, too, I mean, that's something that my husband struggles with. And it's funny because I say, like, why is there a stigma around this? It's so dumb. But then I think about my personal life and, like, my interactions with my husband, not understanding depression, taking many years of our marriage to really appreciate like his own highs and lows and understanding what he's going through and having grace for it and not just being like, buck up, what's your problem? You know, because I didn't know he was mm-hmm. it is struggling with depression. I didn't understand yeah. what he was feeling or dealing with. So I will say it is hard to be married to someone. I mean, again, me and Don both struggle with it at different times. But when I'm in a like fine, healthy place and he's really down, it, it's hard. I mean, even if you know what it is, even if you can identify it and say, oh, my husband's depressed right now. It's still hard to be on the other side of that. And of course, I know better than to be like, buck up. Totally. <laughs> this is silly. But um, it's still hard. And if to you didn't deep. know this, you're listening to this and you didn't know it. It's OK. Grace for you, too. Like a lot of us were taught that like we're just a little sad and we should buck up. But I think we're talking about some, a little bit different things here. We're talking about being sad every once in a while and what we do with that and depression and what we do with that. You know, there, there definitely is a difference. And then even just hearing you talk about the anxiety, Amy, I've had anxiety too. Praise God, I, he's bringing us from glory to glory because that's something less and less I'm struggling with. But I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious today. And having people say, you are sinning. That is a sin. You are not trusting God, uh, you know, because the Bible says be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends, you know, all, all the things. Mm-hmm. And here you are sitting and like, oh, my gosh, now on top of I'm anxious. Now I want to die because I feel like a sinner. I'm a sinner, <laughs> which is kind of. Yeah. So it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is read the Psalms to know our emotions. There's nothing wrong with our emotions. And sometimes they mm-hmm. they are manipulated by sin, like our sin nature. You know, depression doesn't isn't like a normal thing. That's something that came from sin. He didn't create it. God didn't create us to be depressed. But. Those feelings and those emotions are not in and of themselves a sin. Our emotions are okay. We're allowed to have them and feel them. And we're not in control of how we feel about things. We just can control how we behave. But I think depression is one of those weird, fuzzy lines for people because they're like, well, your emotions are affecting your behavior. Is that sin? Well, no, that's not not how that works it's not there's not a black and white line where well here's a question for you guys i i looked this up on christianity today it said in 2015 more than 44,000 americans died by suicide that's one death every 12 minutes as the department of health and human services put it the overall suicide rate has grown by 30 percent over the past 15 years promoting some to call it a a public health crisis so i guess my question or this is a big question for us. I was always taught suicide or death, you know, by suicide was a sin. And so the stigma, uh, I mean, I've learned, I feel like since then I've learned personally, I don't believe that. Not please, if you're if you're listening and you're dealing with suicide, please don't let that be your free ticket. You're get out of jail free. God wants you to live. You know, it is God's desire that we live. It's, it's God's desire that none should perish. But that being said, 
knowing a lot of people who have died over the last, you know, especially since COVID of suicide, I know people who have committed suicide and or, or not committed, I'm sorry, um, have died by suicide. It would be the correct way because uh, the word committed even is shameful. They used to say it's a crime. So when you say commit suicide, you're saying that it's like committed murder. So scrub that. It's died by suicide. And so I've since learned, you know, like what? There's only like one unforgivable sin in the Bible. Like what is that? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But where does that leave us with this? Like where did this idea come from? And not that we're, I almost feel like deleting all of this because like we don't want people to do it. But what do we think? Is suicide That's, a sin? I like, have is being never sad considered sin? whether suicide was a sin. I think in my mind it is. But I definitely don't think it's unforgivable. I've never, I was never grew up. I know lots of people who grew up that way, believing that if you, I would say, committed suicide, then therefore you were going to hell, which I find no biblical precedence for. But I don't think, I'm not sure how you can, I don't know. I'd have to really do some digging to figure out whether or not I thought killing yourself, that in itself was a sin. But I don't think it's unforgivable by any means. Yeah, I don't. It's a heavy topic, yeah. right? I, I didn't say I was going to talk about it, <laughs> but I just brought it up because I was I it just seems like I personally know more people who have died by suicide in the last whatever since COVID than I know of people who have died of COVID. And I think that's just yeah, I I don't know. I do think I don't know where or why I was just trying to find the scripture. I remember, I think, being taught that script that suicide was yeah one of the unforgivable sins but i don't know why and i can't find any scripture to back that up but i remember hearing not that long ago again i know lots of people who struggle with depression it's i hate to say rampant and yeah the suicide numbers are alarmingly high and having two brothers that served in the army i believe even higher huge, in the army yeah a huge huge number of the suicides come from military which is so sad i remember hearing someone say talking about suicide being a sin or not and saying and i think those of us who struggle with depression can understand this like when we're in it you're not in your right mind you're not especially i know nikki you struggled way worse in the past so you understand when you're in it it's like not it's not you right so then how how and why would god eternally i guess judge you for that if your or it's body like any sin that you commit a lot i think i've heard the argument that any sin that you can't repent from, right? So what if you just die in a car crash and you, what are the half a dozen sins you committed that day that you didn't repent from or mm -hmm. sins that we were unaware? So I don't know. Well, I mean, to me, the logic has always been, so two things. One, the logic has always been with, with sins right before you die or like whatever. It's a Catholic belief that you kind of have to pay off those sins or that someone has to come pray over you or like both things, right? But what the Bible says is that Jesus washed us white today and tomorrow and forever, right? Like tomorrow's mm -hmm. sins are already paid Amen. for and the day after that, those sins are already paid for. So there's no mm -hmm. sin we can commit prior to death other than just straight up rejecting the Holy Spirit, right? Just rejecting him. That's that's the one unforgivable because it means you're no longer washed, washed white. But so that to me is the logic <laughs> of it, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether or not... That's good. Yeah. Whether or not suicide is a sin is a big question. Now I'm super interested in thinking about that. Digging but into I that also more. Digging, <laughs> to your point, Candace, you know, what happens when you're clinically depressed, when you're super really depressed, is that you're actually incapable of normal logic. So like, if you have a small right. fight over something with your husband, your immediate next step is it would be better if 
or th- it's never, ever, ever, ever going to get better or change. It's always going to be this way. And then the immediate next step is it would be better if I wasn't here. Whereas what should happen in your brain is like a bajillion, kajillion steps in between those that keep you from ever going down yeah. that rabbit hole. But when you're depressed, clinically, you are like, it's like two steps to get to, to suicide. And so that does yeah. feel, that is an out of your mind, your mind's not working right place. Right. And yeah. And I can't imagine our God yeah, eternally judging us for that, right? Totally. Like, that just doesn't seem like the God we know and love and serve. No. And then that brings us to the other point that's hard for people, a lot of people, not a lot of the circles we're in, but growing up in church, that medicating for depression is wrong, that God should be enough, that you're not praying enough, or or even that sin, this is an, another subset within that, because I've experienced all of these, <laughs> is that you're committing some sort of sin and that's why you're in depression. So kind of like the the very legalistic view of the man couldn't walk, what sin did he commit or what did his parents do? Yeah, that's that very legalistic. And yeah. I just, I really, really want to say to all the really legalistic Christians, don't judge others and you won't be judged. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's no way to, I'm just going to pray for freedom for those people. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> They're Thank out you, there. Yeah. Yeah. I obviously... I ended up getting on medication for my depression back in 2015. I had horrible depression, couldn't get out of bed, had horrible suicidal ideation. I had to call my husband, come home, save me. I'm not okay. But praise God that I had that ability because there's other people who... They don't ask for help. They just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I will say God did. I I think it's a both and. I did go on medication. I was on a high dose. It, It worked. It helped. Talk therapy. It helped. But I never thought I could get off of medication. And we did, uh, what were the freedom groups? Your church, Crossroads, they did freedom. And uh, the whole thing, we'll have to put a thing for that so people can bring it into their churches if they don't have it. People need to do freedom. Um, But the whole thing was like breaking off our strongholds. And I remember during the conference, every, we have to, you have to renounce things, Mm. right? Like strong ties and all these things. And like the first one or the second one or the third one was depression. And I remember everybody had to go forward, no matter whether you felt like you had an issue with something or not. And it was the depression one. And I remember renouncing the whatever depression. And I remember the person praying for me. And I remember, I remember that I didn't feel anything. And I was like, oh, this didn't work. Like I'm still going to be depressed. And then it, when I went home, my medicine was missing from my nightstand. My oh my Zoloft was gone. And I remember panicking. And at the time, my pharmacy was closed. I don't know why. Now, someone was like, why don't you go to another pharmacy? I just didn't even have the wherewithal, the foresight to think of that. So fast forward, long story short, I didn't take it all weekend. And I realized that I had... Before I had tried to wean off, and if you've ever been on these kind of medications, it's almost impossible. It's, it would take a really long time to wean off. Yeah. I had like horrible brain zaps. It made me really sick. Like you literally felt like an electric, uh, somebody was zapping your brain. I had none of it. I had no withdrawal symptoms. So Monday came and I was like, oh, I haven't taken my medicine in three days and I haven't had any withdrawal. So I just didn't fill my prescription and then I realized that I didn't have any more suicidal ideation. I didn't have depression. I mean, and it took a few years before I started having just normal, you know, depression's normal. Everyone's going to experience sadness. But that that clinical depression, that 
I can't breathe. I can't live. I want to die. God has healed. So praise the Lamb, there's hope. Yeah, but even if you're on medication and and God's using different routes for you right now, you are seen and you're known and you're loved and you're held. And we'll definitely put resources. Yeah, Yeah, I would like to say, I, I mean, I don't know, I... I don't think there's any shame in depression, period, but I definitely don't think there's any shame in being on medicine. That's like saying to someone who's has cancer, and don't dying do of cancer, yeah. right? Like <laughs> any sort of there's so many diseases where, where I take medicine every day because I have a thyroid issue. Would you tell me that that's a sin? Like that it just doesn't make any understand. sense. Our bodies, <laughs> our bodies are we live in a fallen world and the further away we get from creation, it's more and more broken. And I mean, I wish I didn't need to take medicine every day, but I do. And that's what it is. And praise God that we even have medicine because if we didn't, I maybe would be dead by now. I don't know. I'm not sure. That might be another topic or in the same topic. Like there are believers that feel that, uh, you know, like, no, you shouldn't take medicine. And so my interesting beautiful mother, she has this tremor. So she's been getting prayer for it a lot. And um, in the last six months, we went to we did like this holy spirit conference and the lord told me very specifically i want to heal your mom and so it's been like there's been a ton of really clear and other people have come up and said hey the lord's saying he wants to heal you so we've had that really specific word from the lord about healing her because her tremor is a symptom of parkinson's it's a parkinson it's a parkinson ism or something i can't say the word but so she's not saying she has it, but it's one of those things that like maybe she has. It's a maybe, right? So it's very right. emotional. All that to say, she's had to work a lot through like, where do I sit in in believing that the Lord's going to heal me, but also like taking medicine and doing what I can do on a medical side to do this? And the answer is it's both and. There's no amount of faith she needs yeah. to produce for God to heal her. Yes. It is not up to her to be healed. It is not up to her Amen. denying everything else to somehow prove to God that she believes he's going to heal her. She can do both, you know. <laughs> she can sit and rest Amen. in God's yeah. healing hand and in his word and know that the faith comes from yeah. him and the healing power comes from him while also still seeing doctors, still taking medicine. And depression like anything yep. else fits right in there to me. It's like it's both and. Why do? Why are we? Why are they mutually exclusive? That's ridiculous. Mm, I agree. Yeah, that's so good. It reminds me. You've probably heard of this story, but it's the story of the guy that's drowning out in the ocean. And it's. It's. I don't think it's. What is that word when it's not a real story? It's apocryphal. I don't know. I can't remember what. Well, the, like there's a, a story there's or a like for this. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Parable. I don't know. Um, so. Um, I'm, I've said that word totally wrong. So thank you for fixing it. So this guy's <laughs> drowning in the ocean and he's like, Lord, please save me. Please save me. And then the guy on the boat comes by. He's like, hey, do you need me? Do you need a hand? He's like, no, I prayed to God and he's going to rescue me. So the boat's like, all right, dude. And he goes off. And then another boat comes along and same thing. And then another one, uh, the, light, the Coast Guard comes and the Coast Guard's like, I'm here to rescue you. He was like, no, God's going to save me. And he drowns. <laughs> and then, and then he, get, yeah. he gets to heaven and he's like, Lord, like, why didn't you save me? I'm saying some some people are much better at telling the story. But he was like, oh, I sent you me. the dinghy, the rowboat and the yeah. and the coast I sent card. you three. <laughs> <laughs> you dummy. Yeah. 
So I kind of think of that like for sure. Yeah. Like, we're, of course, we're going to pray and ask for supernatural yeah. healing. Yeah. But sometimes we got to grab hold of the life raft, the rowboat. Yeah, for sure. And the Coast Guard, you know. So, well, yeah. Candace I and I just the other day were talking about how how things get over spiritualized. And I think it's such a weird we live in such a weird middle ground because it's like it, on one hand, we need so much to forget our material self and be more aware. Like we're a very material society. We need to be more spiritual. But on the other hand, like some things just aren't don't have you pray to God and he sends you a boat like that's not not. Yeah. His avenue for how he sent that to you is not somehow not spiritual, but it doesn't have to be spiritualized. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like all these things land us in this really weird place where we're trying to figure out how to both be humans on an earth in physical form while also being a spiritual being. Yeah. It's hard. It's complicated. After our talk about big G God, little G gods, the Elohim, that's what me and Amy, that's what's triggered that conversation. Like there's so much in the spiritual realm we don't understand. And I would love to be more aware of like, you know, pray like God opened my eyes. But then, yeah, people over spiritualizing basic things like depression or whatever. That's not the only thing. There's lots of things. And you're like, uh, okay that's people, another both and yeah like yes, i i know and. people that are like i the first parking spot opened up the lord has blessed me <laughs> like, <laughs> you know exactly i mean i understand wanting to give glory to god in all things absolutely but i know what you're speaking of there's definitely yeah. a temptation on both sides to be like yeah. i saw the number seven a million times so the lord drew me to chapter seven of this and it said this and therefore this and you're like okay i love you guys <laughs> all right <laughs> well no and we all grew up in pentecostal churches so i've definitely seen a lot Maybe of you too right you yeah, okay i just wanted to make sure we pentecostal things and i <laughs> am still like still believe in the holy spirit and the way he moves but i've seen a lot of very untrue mm. spiritual i'm using quotation marks spiritual things happening and I know that I know, like, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they weren't true. And I won't go into examples, but <laughs> yeah, we've all <laughs> so many of us have seen them. So I think we should talk about what the Bible says about this as best we can. But yeah, I just wanted to something else. I don't know. Somehow this feels related. So we had a speaker come to our church who was talking about how most of his conversations, he had like this offhand comment about how most of his conversations with God are him yelling. <laughs> and. <laughs> I was talking to him later and I said, that sounds, he was talking about David and how David is this like very emotional writer. He, his his prayers to God are extremely honest. And I said, you know, that's kind of sounds like my husband's relationship with God, but I never really understood it. And I appreciated you validating like that is a way to interact with God. That is a type of way to be in relationship with God is like to be angry a lot. <laughs> I think it's okay mm. to oh be gosh, angry. I was screaming. Yeah, and that, to me that just feels connected because again like for for an amazing husband who does struggle with this you know in ways that I don't having having people just sort of speak out and say like this is normal being mad at God is also it's an good. emotion. You know, being depressed and being sad and wallowing with God. All of those things are things that God wants us to do with him. They don't have to be secret or suppressed or something i don't know yeah i yeah. i wanted to add something to that before we start going diving into the biblical truth 
what God is teaching me in this season through my depression is that I am not, we are here, right? We're in the earth, but we are spiritual beings and we are created to be in connection with our creator. And we are because Christ died and now we are, we have direct communion with him, but we still are in this in-between, right? And so I am learning that truly my depression comes from being separated from God. Even though we have direct connection, oh, yeah. my heart longs to be with Jesus. And where this used to feel like, oh, I want to die. And I'm now I'm like, oh, my soul truly longs to be face to face. And even though we have that direct access, my soul cries. My soul screams as a sensitive person that deals with this. It screams Jesus. Like it longs to be back in Eden face to face with its creator. And it's just not there yet. Yeah, we have, we're in that in between, the not there, not yet. And, and I can trust that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and the poor in spirit. And because I'm almost constantly in a state of, desperate longing god is always near it it doesn't feel good yet because it's not the way i can feel it but i know like it brings me so close to god and 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 that is a beautiful thing so sometimes when god has Mm. taken off the heaviness for me i am prone to wander and i'm like oh let me go shopping and so i almost (laughs) feel like it is my thorn and i have learned to be grateful for this desperate longing that I have because it truly does keep me in in God's hands. Like, I'm always in God's hands. Don't ever mistake that. Like, nothing can separate us or move us, and we do have direct access to Him. But in that middle ground where we might not feel or experience it, this is is where God has me, and and I've learned to be thankful for that. Hmm. Yeah. That's really good, Nikki. (laughs) I was listening to someone talk about the wailing wall. Which I don't know why I didn't know this. I felt kind of dumb. But the Wailing Wall is the last remaining wall of Solomon's temple to God in Israel. Wow. Again, I didn't know. Okay, that, that makes me feel slightly less dumb. Let's go. Yeah, I'm like, now I got to go to Israel. <laughs> but it's the reason. So she was talking about like, you have all these all these Jewish people who come and they just like rest themselves up against Scream. the wall. They just want to be as close to God as they can. And they think that maybe by like laying against this last remnant of Solomon's, you know, temple where God did actually, you know, embody himself. Live. Yeah. His presence was. Right. Like maybe they can be close to God. And she said, and we as Christians who have Jesus in our heart and who have the Holy Spirit in us, like we forget the, the nearness we have with God that didn't exist before Jesus died and was resurrected and the Holy Spirit came. And so it just was like, I don't know, it was just like this picture of people that are just so desperate to be close to God. But like, we actually have that ability. We have it. (laughs) Which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy. Okay, back to the, you were saying, let's, let's go to the biblical truths of it. That before I segue to us, let's see what scripture has to say. Okay, so when I Googled what does scripture say about depression? Um, it, there's like all the scriptures that pop up. I mean, are encouraging just like what to do when you feel sad, not like shame. You shouldn't be depressed. A bunch of them I already know because as someone who struggles with it, I've de- like memorized a bunch of these. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. 
when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And it goes on. And I remember it was just a couple of years ago. This was like a light bulb moment for me. I always thought growing up that scripture was about not knowing Jesus. He's like, I thought he was speaking on salvation. Come to me all. Like, if you don't know Jesus, of course, you're carrying a heavy burden and you're weary, you know. But then just a few years ago, God brought that scripture to me and he was like, no, this is about just being heavy. And I was like, oh, it's so good. But there's so many scriptures like that. You know, I had a friends, I think maybe Nikki was one of them, but I know you weren't the only one who talked to me about how when they are sad, they specifically read out and pray out like the scriptures from Job and the sad lamenting scriptures from Psalm. And I don't know why that never even occurred to me. I just think there's so many scriptures <laughs> that are all about like, yeah, just coming to him when you're sad. Not There's no judgment. It's nothing to feel ashamed about. It's just come to me. Yeah. He wants us in all states in anger in sadness, whatever it is he wants us. I mean, and I take comfort knowing that Jesus experienced it too. Yeah. Like extreme sadness and anxiety to the point of, you know, crying and sweating blood. Yeah. That, that he literally bore the worst feelings of depression and anxiety for us. So we can come and give it to him yeah. and let it go. Like, you yeah. know, and sometimes that's a thousand times a day. I know you know this feeling, Lord. Take it. I don't want to carry it anymore. Yeah. And he does, he does lighten the load. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. Yes. God is good. I love it. So is depression a sin? That's a resounding no. <laughs> Definite no. Is feeling sad a sin? No. Is having anxiety a sin? No. no. <laughs> Clearly I not. feel like we're on like a little preschooler show. <laughs> Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this too, though, because I think, Nikki, like you said, like when you're faced with people all the time that say you should trust god more or you know hand it over to god why aren't you it's like people come down in condemnation yes uh we start to like yeah. tell ourselves those lies and so we're here to tell you that that ain't from jesus uh yes and also i to what amy and nikki are both saying it's important who you surround yourself with because if you're surrounding yourself with legalistic people who are going to make you feel bad that's maybe not the right group correct mm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And if you're struggling with any of this stuff, please, please, please don't struggle alone. Um, yeah. At the most, give yourself three days. But even in those days, reach out, let a friend know you're hurting so they can be praying yeah. for you, partnering yeah. with you. Reach out to us. We can send you some sources. And if you are struggling with clinical depression, it it is okay to get help. Um, yes. Part, you know, um, so get that help. We love you. We're praying. And you're going to hate us, but... <laughs> You're going to love us. Definitely. You're going to love us. <laughs> Have to love us. See you guys. Love you, friends. <laughs>